Good evening, everybody, and uh, welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. I'm excited to be back here tonight. I always, always, always enjoy doing this. Kind of like I said last week, one of the uh, best parts of my calling, my best parts of my job, what I do is being able to get into God's Word and, and study. And um, so I'm glad to be here tonight to be looking into First Timothy. Uh, with you as we have been doing but before we do that I want to uh, ask uh, you guys out there if you would be praying for uh, my uh, nephew and his wife uh, Luke and Desiree, Desiree Briley they just had a brand new baby girl this morning and uh, be praying for them uh, as they get ready to uh, bring that baby home uh, we're so thankful uh, that she is healthy and that mama is healthy and uh, be praying for them. And uh, if you have someone on your heart or on your mind that you would like for us here at Atlanta to pray for, uh, don't hesitate to either text me or send a, a message to our Facebook page, and we'll be glad to pray for them. Uh, so having said that, before we ever get started, let's uh, open in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for uh, the many blessings of this day. Lord, I, uh, we tend to take so much for granted, Lord. We get caught up in a busy world, in a busy life, Lord, that we overlook the many things that you bless us with. God, a few of those are your love and your goodness and your mercy. God, we so take it for granted, God, and I ask that you forgive me of that. Lord, I lift up my nephew Luke and his wife Desi and baby Allie. Father, as they get ready to bring her home, God, I pray that you place a hedge of protection about them. God, we're thankful for her. Father, I'm thankful for her being born to godly parents, Lord, who love you and trust you. God, I pray that you continue to bless them and, and their other two little ones, Nora and Nolan, God, I'm so thankful for them. They're such a blessing to me. Lord, if there be anyone out there listening, Father, that has a need on their heart, Lord, I pray that you would be in the midst of their lives, Father, that uh, you would touch, you would heal, you would encourage, Father, that you would save if that be the need. God, we're thankful that you're here with us tonight, Lord, as we open your word. God, I pray that everything we do here tonight brings honor and glory to your name. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, last week we finished up uh, chapter 3 uh, here in the book of 1 Timothy. And we learned a little bit from Paul's writing here to Timothy about the, uh, the message and the mission of the church. You know, oftentimes... Uh, first and second Timothy and Titus uh, they're called the pastoral epistles and indeed they are but there's so much more to it than that not only is it a message uh, to pastors and elders and the like uh, it is also a message to the church uh, so we learned last week when we were um, reading the end of chapter 3 uh, the message and the mission of the church. And tonight we're going to begin chapter 4, and in uh, this chapter, 
uh, we're go he Paul starts off by talking about the great apostasy. And for those of you that don't know what that means, uh, that word apostasy, we're going to get into that a, a little bit later. I'll define, define it more in more detail, but uh, we're going to look at the first five verses here in chapter four. And what he's going to begin talking about right here is false teachers. Touched on that a little bit uh, in earlier chapters, uh, but he's going to go into a little bit more detail here tonight. Um, as I mentioned just a minute ago, he uh, he already noted the presence of false teachers in the church in Ephesus uh, back in chapter 1. And in verse 20, he even mentioned a couple of them by name, uh, Hymenaeus and, and Alexander. Uh, and he has already countered some of their erroneous teaching that they were doing there in Ephesus uh, with a doctrinally correct uh, instruction. And he did this in chapters 2 and chapters 3. And now Paul is going to deal directly with uh, the false teachers themselves in this uh, passage, particularly in these first five verses. And he's going to focus on uh, their origin and on the content of what they are teaching. <clears throat> and it's quite alarming uh, when we read it and dig into these verses. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to read uh, these five verses. And then as always, we're just going to back up and kind of pick the verses apart a little bit to uh, see what Paul is talking about here. So beginning in Chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul starts off like this. He says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving, by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Now, as we back up and we start here in verse 1, uh, it he, he begins this chapter uh, by using the phrase, uh, now the Spirit expressly says. And in this, in this passage, rather, Paul is going to repeat to Timothy a warning uh, that he had given uh, to the elders at the church in Ephesus many years earlier. Uh, if you were here at our uh, part of our Bible study on Wednesday nights, uh, prior to going through uh, the book of 1 Timothy, we went through the book of Acts. And Paul gave a warning uh, to the elders here in Ephesus many years earlier. And I just want to read those to you. Uh, that way you can maybe kind of refresh your memory, or for those of you that don't know, uh, you will. And this found in uh, Acts chapter 20. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. Uh, uh, verses 29 and 30 of chapter 20. 
This is what Paul said to them uh, back in Acts many years ago. <clears throat> For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Now, we see right there that Paul has already warned them many years ago. Paul is repeating this uh, warning again here in uh, chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. Now, as we think back, uh, not just Paul, but when we think back through Scripture, uh, the Holy Spirit through Scripture has uh, repeatedly warned uh, against or warned of the dangers of apostasy. Now, there's that word again. Uh, what I want to do is just define that word for you. Uh, if you're looking at your Bible right now, you may have a heading at the top of it, uh, the great apostasy or something like that. But the word apostasy means an abandonment of belief. Uh, and in Christianity, within our faith, it is a rejection of Christianity by someone who was a Christian. So that sounds pretty, uh, pretty severe, it's because it is. Uh, now that word apostasy comes from the Greek word apostasia, which uh, actually means defection or departure uh, or rebellion. Uh, so this is a pretty uh, serious thing that the Holy Spirit through the scripture many times has warned uh, the church or warned believers about. And uh, Jesus even spoke of the apostasy uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 24, uh, as well as uh, the apostles uh, Peter and John and Paul, obviously, that we're reading. Uh, the author of Hebrews spoke of it, as well as Jude, Judas, uh, Jesus's half brother. So we have uh, warnings of such a rebellion, such a, uh, a falling away, such a departure of people that say they are Christians, but yet will rebel against it. And we're seeing it again here in chapter four of First Timothy. Now it says, uh, he goes on to say after that phrase, now in, uh, the spirit expressly says that in latter times. Now, this is a period of time that we often uh, we think of with uh, the book of Revelation. But what Paul is actually referring to here is the period of time uh, between when Jesus came to this earth the first time uh, and walked among the people and ministered and healed and died on a cross and rose again and ascended back into heaven. From that point, until he returns again, which he has not done that yet, but we look forward with anticipation. So this period, this period of time, the latter times, we're in the midst of them right now. Uh, and he goes on to say that uh, apostasy uh, will exist throughout this period, uh, but will intensify and even climax shortly before Jesus's return. And for the sake of time, we're not going to go back and read it. But if you uh, want to, I uh, encourage you to go back to Matthew chapter 24 
And uh, Jesus really goes into detail uh, in that prophecy there towards the end of Matthew chapter 24. So I'd encourage you to read that. But moving on here with 1 Timothy, he says uh, that in latter times, some will depart from the faith. Now we ask our question, who? Who is he talking about here? The, this some that will depart from the faith. Well, who is it? Well, the particular people that Paul is talking about right here are those that uh, fall prey to the false teachers and they will abandon uh, the Christian faith. Now, uh, the Greek word for depart uh, is the source for the English word apostize. And this uh, refers to one moving away from an original position. These people, this who, these uh, some that depart the faith are people who are professing Christians or uh, they're Christians in name only. Uh, and they associate themselves with those who truly believe the gospel. Uh, we all know that being a Christian is something that goes on within your heart. It's not lip service. It's a change that goes on within your heart. So uh, these people that he's referring to are the ones that are professing to be Christians. But really, uh, you, you tend to doubt that there's any transformation that's gone on, in, <clears throat> excuse me, gone on within their heart. And usually they defect after believing the lies uh, and the deception of the false teacher, uh, which in turn uh, reveals their true nature, that they weren't converted at all. And when I say converted, their heart uh, converted. So let's go on to see what he says here. After uh, some will depart from the faith, it says, giving heed to deceiving spirits. Well, there it is right there. But what are uh, those deceiving spirits? Well, uh, those are those who are demonic in nature, uh, either directly or through false teaching, and they have wandered away uh, from the truth, and they've led others to do the same. Uh, the most defining word to describe Satan's whole operation is deception uh, and he is the great deceiver he can really make something look really good uh, when in fact it is not but it says they give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons and when we hear that phrase those three words there doctrines of demons uh we need to understand what Paul is talking about right here. Uh, he's not talking about uh, teaching about demons, uh, but it is false teaching that originates from them. Uh, and to sit under such teaching is to hear lies from the demonic realm. Uh, John, uh, the apostle, elaborates on this in Second John uh, verses 7 through 11. Second John is only one chapter in that book. So uh, I would encourage you to read that. Uh, go to Second John and read verses 7 through 11. 
And uh, this influence, as we kind of touched on that a little bit earlier, uh, this uh, demonic influence, these doctrines of demons will reach its peak during the tribulation period. And Satan constantly works the deceptions and perverts God's word. <clears throat> when Jesus uh, was tempted by Satan, about uh, all he used uh, was God's word, yet he twisted it. Uh, he'll, he, he'll change a word or he will take bits and pieces of God's word uh, out of context and put that in your uh, thought process. And, and really what he's doing is deceiving you. And that's what these false teachers are doing here. They're following the doctrines of demons. Uh, and some of them, as I mentioned before, or uh, that way by nature, or they could be deceived themselves. Either way, Satan is behind it. Let's look at verse 2. It says these false teachers here are speaking lies in hypocrisy, which literally means uh, hypocrite. Excuse me, that's such a hard word to say. <laughs> Hypocritical lie speakers. Uh, these false teachers, these Liars promote this demonic doctrine. It says they've have having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Now, when we think about seared, I'm I'm not really talking about a steak. You know, that makes me hungry when I read that. Uh, but it says seared conscience, and that is a uh, medical term uh, referring to cauterization. And these false teachers that Paul is warning us about and warning Timothy about, uh, they teach their lies because their consciences have been desensitized. It's as if all the nerves that make them feel have been destroyed and that have turned to scar tissue. So these people uh, have really been... Um, um, seared by the devil is basically what has happened to where they really either don't realize what they're doing or they really don't care. Uh, either way, they are agents uh, of evil. Now, verse 3 could be kind of confusing, uh, but we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, this is more of the teaching of the false teacher right here, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So let's, let's start right here with the forbidding um, to marry. Well, actually, we can look at all of it together. Uh, but Paul is giving an example of the uh, a, a clear a uh, specific example of the false teaching that was going on uh, here at the church in Ephesus. And typically, false teaching contains elements of truth. Um, since Scripture, with this specific case, uh, Scripture commends both uh, being single, not marrying. It does commend that. 
uh, and it also commends fasting, abstaining from uh, foods. But the deception was here in this false teaching uh, that they were making these two uh, human works a prerequisite for salvation. And we know that that is wrong. See, that's what the enemy does. He takes bits and pieces. Um, there are elements of truth to that, just as I said, because Scripture does commend it. But the thing about it is Scripture doesn't forbid it. Uh, and neither one of them, if you don't marry, if you do marry, if you eat this, don't eat that, whatever, it, it, it's, that's not going to save you. That's not going to uh, get you to heaven, so to speak. And this kind of teaching uh, was likely uh, influenced by a Jewish sect uh, that uh, lived and, I guess, created havoc among the Christian community to some extent uh, that here in Ephesus called the Essenes. And... Uh, also, uh, the, the contemporary Greek uh, thinking of that time, when I say contemporary, the way uh, some of the Greek thinking of the first century, um, they had a specific belief that all matter or all objects uh, were evil. Uh, and the only thing good was your spirit. Uh, those are both contrary uh, to, 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 to Scripture. Um, nowhere does scripture say that objects are evil and that your spirit is good. Nowhere does it say that. Uh, and Paul uh, addressed this false teaching in Colossians chapter 2. And we know that neither celibacy uh, nor diet is going to save you nor sanctify you. Neither one of them. Only Jesus can do that. Only your faith in him can do that. Only by grace through faith are you saved, saved, excuse me. Paul said those words in, in uh, the book of Ephesians. So let's, he, he's going to elaborate on that a little bit. We're uh, talking about uh, the food. In verse 4, he says, For every creature of God is good. The false teachers teaching uh, their criteria, if you will, uh, contradicted scripture, which teaches all the way back in Genesis. Uh, you can go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, since God created both marriage and God created food, uh, they are naturally and essentially good. And they are to be enjoyed with gratitude by believers. Verse 5, it says, um, For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Now let's look at that word sanctified <clears throat> just a second. That word sanctified means to be uh, set apart or dedicated to God for holy use. And this is the means... Uh, for doing so, or the means for doing so, uh, being sanctified, as uh, thankful prayer, and an understanding that the Word of God has set aside uh, the temporary uh, 
mosaic diet restrictions. If you'll recall back in, uh, in the law, in the book of Leviticus, there were certain uh, dietary restrictions uh, placed upon uh, God's people, the children of Israel. But through Jesus' uh, fulfillment of the law, uh, those no longer apply. Um, and it is clear in Peter's vision, I go back to Acts again, uh, back to our Acts study. Uh, if you'll recall in Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter had a vision. Uh, the Lord gave him a vision. And uh, Jesus actually spoke to him in this vision. And what Jesus said uh, was this, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Paul expounds uh, on this in Romans chapter 14 even more. The thing we have to remember in this is that it's not the thing that corrupts, but it is the inner corruption uh, and the evil uh, motives of the unbeliever that corrupts every good thing. God created, uh, in Peter's vision, uh, God, it talks about God's uh, creating all these animals for us to eat. He made them for us to eat. Uh, and it is important that we remember that it is not the thing, uh, but it is what's inside the man uh, that makes it evil. So we're going to stop right there tonight. Uh, Paul gives us a description of the false teachers, and he gives them gives us a little bit of their um, uh, curriculum, <laughs> uh, what they were teaching, and why it was wrong that they were teaching that. Now, next week we're going to pick up in verse six uh, of chapter four. He gave us a description of the false teachers. Now he's going to give us a description of the good teachers. And as always, our example of the good teacher is him, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he's going to talk about uh, next week. So I would encourage you to come back and um, join us again. You can go to our church Facebook page. Uh, there are also links to uh, different forms of uh, social, um, excuse me, digital media where you can uh, watch our Bible studies. Uh, I want to encourage you to come be a part of our uh, Sunday worship service. Uh, if you're able to, come be a part of it. Uh, come join in. We're in the Family Life Center here at Atlanta Baptist Church. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, uh, please just stay in your car in the parking lot and tuned to 97.9, and you can hear it right over your radio. And on Sunday nights, uh, we have been, and we're continuing to do so, uh, we've been studying the book of Revelation, and we've been recording it and making it available just as our Wednesday night Bible studies are. Uh, we've been recording it and making it available like that. But for the last two chapters, we're about to wrap it up. Uh, we met last Sunday night in our Family Life Center uh, to do that for those that uh, felt comfortable coming and being a part of it, and I'm glad that they were. And I would encourage you, if you can come be a part of that, come be a part of that. 
um, the wonderful, wonderful nature of God's Word, the truth, the authority, uh, just being able to dig into it and a desire to know more and more and more. Uh, but thank you all for coming, and I hope uh, you all have a wonderful Fourth of July weekend that's coming up. God bless you. We love you. Bye-bye.